This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good to see all of you tonight. Thanks for coming out in the rain. You know? How many of you are glad it rained? Man, no kidding. Everything's a mud hole. It's awesome. You know? Can't even beat that with a stick. Glory to God. Amen. Hope you had a great uh, holiday weekend. I don't know what that may have involved for all of you, but, uh, you know, uh, affords us an opportunity sometimes to get together with friends, family, maybe take a little trip, do this, that, or the other. So hope you enjoyed that. I want to welcome all of you that are watching us on Facebook or on the YouTube channel. Glad you can be with us. We're so delighted that you can be a part of the service this evening. Please know how much we uh, appreciate you. Uh, even though a lot of times we don't have the opportunity to connect with you because of distance and different things of that nature. But uh, praise God, come visit us sometime. We'd love to see you, and uh, uh, it'd be a real blessing to all of us. So anyway, thanks for being with us here tonight. Did you all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles together to the book of James, chapter 5. Hallelujah. This weekend, we're going to be celebrating uh, the life of God in people's lives. We've got baptism service and also the dedication of children. And uh, it's going to be a great time. I know there's at least 15 people getting baptized in water. And if you're concerned about the water, we're just going to throw about 40 gallons of uh, Clorox in there. and It'll kill everything, so don't worry about it. Hallelujah. And you'll smell, well, yeah, fresh, I guess. I don't know, clean, I don't know, disinfected, whatever. But we are going to celebrate. It's such a great time. There's nothing like these services when we have our baptism services. And then, of course, there's a number of children that are going to be dedicated to the Lord. So we'll, we'll take um, that service to just talk about uh, the biblical uh, practice of water baptism and dedication, talk to you from a scriptural standpoint why we do what we do when it comes to dedicating our children, baptizing adults, and things of that nature. You know, uh, uh, Jesus set a precedent for us, you know, and uh, he told us how it is that we're to do it. So that's the way we do it. Praise God. And so we'll explain that to you, but it'll be a good time. I want to talk about your prayer life tonight. That'd be all right with you. And really, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. I'm going to do it anyway. Hallelujah. And uh, I, think, uh, I think it's uh, uh, incredibly important when it comes to our individual prayer lives. And, and, you know, people, you're talking about prayer and giving definition of what prayer is. I mean, prayer is talking to God. That's all it is. You know, it's not talking to him in Elizabethan English. You know, as a lot of times, you know, some people think, you know, it's not the these and the thous and the whatever. It's just talking to him. I remember when I got saved, I said, God, I don't even know if you're out there. Now, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of faith, does it? But I said, if you are, I want you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. And guess what? He did because he was. He was out there. Hallelujah. And um, so, you know, uh, God understands our hearts and he wants us to talk with him so that he can talk with us. Amen. And you know, Jesus, you know, he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And we live in these uncertain times. And, and uh, the thing of it is, is he said, don't let your heart be troubled or, you know, don't be afraid. Well, uh, it's one thing to be told that it's another thing to do it or to even believe that you can do it. But I believe anything that he asks us to do, we can do. How many of you believe that? So a lot of times it's more about what it is that we've been thinking about and meditating on or maybe fixing our attention or focus on. And I tell you what, if you'll focus your attention on him, praise God, he'll take care of everything. And that's good news. Amen. 
So we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. And then actually, you know, this is my third week talking about prayer. And every time I've intended to pray, you know, spend a little time praying, you know. And by golly, this week we're going to make it happen. Hallelujah. We're actually going to do it. I get a little long-winded because there's so much that you can talk about when it comes to prayer. And so we'll get after it, and uh, I believe you'll be blessed. Praise God. So let's just pray together. We'll uh, just prepare our hearts, and, and uh, we'll get into it. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. We're so grateful that we can come to you in a time such as this. We're living in the last days. We know, Father God, that Jesus promised that he would come again, and that, we, you, that he would receive us to himself, that we might be with him. So we rejoice in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father God, we are looking up, and we are, or we do have our heads lifted up, because we know our redemption draws near. And so we thank you tonight, Father, for this privilege as children of God, to be able to draw near unto you, to know your ways, and to walk therein. But not only that, Father, we thank you that we are the carriers of life, and that, Father, we can share that life with others so that they may know you as well. So we thank you for our time together in the Word, and we thank you, Father God, for giving us utterance and blessing your Word to our heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Hallelujah. So about our prayer life, you know, as I've said before, whether you realize it or not, your prayers matter. Let me say that one more time. Your prayers matter. You know, a lot of times people, they discredit or discount you know, especially, you know, even in the Christian community, they discredit and discount uh, the, the value that there is on and in your prayer life. You know, the Bible says that God's ears are open. Everybody say open. Yeah, they're open to our prayers. And so it's important for us to understand that. Um, and yet, for any number of reasons, you know, it seems like that Christians don't seem to get around to praying, or maybe they, you know, they, you know, lost confidence in the effectiveness of their prayers. Well, you know, last time I prayed, it, you know, nothing really happened, and so I'm not so, so sure it all works or whatever. Well, God's Word works. Now, we may not be, you know, uh, lining ourselves up with the way that the Word of God teaches us, but I'm telling you, His Word works. I think about Daniel. The Bible says that Daniel, in the Old Testament, you can read it for yourself, he set himself before God to seek God, and the Bible says that while he was before God in prayer and fasting, the Bible says that eventually the angel Gabriel came and um, approached him and said, from the first day, this was 21 days later, he said, from the first day that you offered your prayers up, uh, God heard your prayers, and I have come for those words. Now, he did go on to explain that the prince of, of darkness had hindered him, but Michael had come. You know, these are things, spiritually speaking, maybe that you can't see or maybe understand, but there was a war that went on over Daniel's prayers. Well, as a result, the angel Gabriel had given him uh, information with regard to uh, Daniel's 70 weeks and a lot of other things that we don't want to get into tonight or we'll be hopelessly confused because we won't have near enough time to explain it. But my point to this is simply this. From the very first day that he began to pray, God was moving towards him to answer that prayer. And the same thing's true where your life is concerned when it comes to your prayer life. And so it really does uh, matter. Hallelujah. And there never seen, there has never seemed to be, maybe, 
you know, in other people's lives, they may think differently or, or not agree, but there never seems to be a greater need or time for the believer really to have a robust, active prayer life than right now. The fact is, there's a lot of things at stake. I don't know if you really realize it or not, but whether you realize it or not, your prayers matter when it comes to the election and the godly people that end up taking positions, and, and our prayers uh, avail much, and so all the more reason for us to be praying according to the will of God. And <clears throat> so, because the thing you have to understand is, is if hell can, it will discourage you from praying any way that it can. But heaven will always encourage you to pray, whether it's for your own personal needs or maybe the needs of others, or like we talked about this nation that you and I are living in. I mean, the reality is, you guys, is only heaven can affect the situations that are going on in this world today. Did you know that? Because of, the, because of um, godless and sinful men and their ambitions and all of the things, you know, that are driving them, you know, we need heaven to intervene. We need God, you know, to take up. And thank God he will because uh, he promised it in his word. So, you know, that there just there really is a lot of things at stake. I'll give you an example in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22. You can just write this down, you know, 22 verse, I believe it's 30, maybe 29. The, Bi the Bible tells us in this uh, setting that the people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So... I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. That's kind of a sad thing. I hope tonight, praise God, if God's looking for somebody to pray, there's a room full of them right here that says, yes, I'm in. Are you listening to me? Now, you know, this is, did you, did you put that up on the screen? Did you put it in sequel up? Put it back up there again. I want you to think about this with me for a minute. This is just not, you know, this is a passage of scripture that speaks of a particular instance that happened in the history of Israel. And God is addressing that through the prophet Ezekiel. And notice it says, the people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and the needy. In other words, they've just been un ungodly and oppressed the stranger. Now go on to the next one. It says, so I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall or, or, or make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Notice what the next verse of scripture says. Therefore, I have poured out mine indignation on them and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Well, it's unfortunate, isn't it? I said it's unfortunate. But you know, for the child of God, we're talking about the ungodly. We're talking about people that, are, that have rejected God and things of that nature. Well, the fact is, is that you and I as believers, praise God, we can pray and turn things around. And it's important for us not only to understand it, but, but, but believe it, perhaps like never before. You know, people are so confused. You know, they're, they're, they're afraid, they're angry, you know, about all of the things that are going on around them. There is no peace. But I want you to know that, that being confused and being afraid and being angry, none of those emotions are from heaven. 
And so the child of God doesn't need to be confused. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Hallelujah. And the opposite of fear is faith. Isn't that right? And not only that, praise God, but you know, when it comes to people being angry, just because they're angry, it doesn't mean you have to be. I said, just because other people are angry, it doesn't mean that you have to be. But if we'll keep ourselves in the love of God, you know, the Bible talks about you, beloved, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I tell you, it would do us a lot of good if we'd pray in the Spirit. Praise God. Why do I say that? Because when we pray, you know, the Bible says, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit is praying, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, again, I don't have time to get into all of this, but man really is a three-part being. The real you is spirit. We have a soul made up of our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. But unfortunately, we are dominated by our reasoning, our mind, will, and emotions, and a lot of times we're also dominated by our flesh. And so what I'm suggesting to you is, is what prayer does is it puts the real you, the spiritual part of your being, in the forefront of your life. And it empowers you to be able to stand against those other things so that you don't allow anger or confusion or fear or any of the rest of these things to dominate your life and control you. Does that make sense to you? That if we're not practicing this, if we're not making it a part of our lives, well, then we're just helplessly, you know, in it for whatever it is that we can figure out for ourselves. And I tell you what, today is not a time when you want to be doing that. So thank God, as the children of God, we can take the lead of our Heavenly Father and be at peace in the midst of the storm. But it happens as a result of our prayer life and praying as He would have us to pray. Now, when I say that, how is it that God would have us to pray? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that He'd want you to pray with confidence. Huh? That He'd want you to pray with faith. You say, well, how can I do that? Well, you have to discover or understand what the will of the Lord is, and then you're on solid ground to be able to pray. Hallelujah. For example, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, given in the context of resource and supply that you need for your personal life. My God shall supply. Well, so if I know that, then I can come to my Father with confidence or faith and say, Heavenly Father, you said in your word that you would meet all of my needs. Now, Lord, I don't know how that's going to happen, but thank God you do. But I look to you, and I'm asking you to provide the means, the way, the resources, the wisdom, the whatever it is that I need, whatever it is that I can do in order for the manifestation of your promise to be be, uh, realized within my life. Hallelujah. Amen. In other words, I'm not praying and saying, God, you know, I'm not sure how you feel about this. But, you know, I kind of got a little deal going on here, and I'd really like for you to help me if you can. Well, that's a Hail Mary, just shoot her up there and hope something happens. And that's not the kind of prayer we're talking about. We're talking about praying with confidence. Hallelujah. And we sure can do that. And, you know, I made this statement, I think it was last week. But, you know, I, I mean, your, your, your faith is intrinsically tied to the relationship that you have with God. God wants you to know him. That's why he gave us his word. Now, I realize, you know, religion, a lot of other things, you know, have led people to believe a lot of (laughs) amazing things. But if you really know, if you really want to know the will of God, then you have to get into the Bible and discover what it is that he promised. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? 
Glory to God. So we can pray. Now notice here, we're using this text. I want to just read the 16th verse of the fifth chapter of the book of James. Notice what it says in the last half of that verse. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, King James says, availeth much. Another translation, the English Standard says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, sometimes we... We, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot, as it were. A lot of times we pray, and if we don't see immediate results, then we just decide, well, you know, God must not want to answer that prayer. Well, nothing could be further from the truth if it's according to the will of God. But, you know, we, we, we let it go. So in this translation, it says, the, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Your prayers are at work. Hallelujah. Another translation says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Glory be to God forevermore. Amen. And then finally, the Amplified says the earnest or heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Dear friends, your prayers matter. When you're praying for your kids, when you're praying for your loved ones, when you're praying for this, that, or the other, it matters, and it's important for us to know that. Amen. Let's back up here in this, in this uh, uh, opening and look with me, if you would, please, here. Notice in verse 13. Back up, James is writing. How many of you believe that the Bible is God speaking to you? Okay. And so it asks the question, is anyone afflicted? King James used the word afflicted. Maybe your, your translation may say suffering. You know, is anyone suffering? Then it gives us this advice. Let him what? Do what? Let him pray. I don't know about you, but when I'm suffering and afflicted, it's the last thing I want to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Why? Because in that moment of suffering or that moment of being afflicted, tested, tried, and another translation says, is, it, or is anyone among you uh, undergoing hardship? Well, a lot of times, you know, when you're undergoing hardship, the last thing you feel like doing is praying. And yet the Bible says that's exactly what you need to do. Let him or her pray. Then it went on to say in this same verse, it says, is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith. Everybody say the prayer of faith. Not the prayer of doubt and unbelief, but the prayer of faith. If you want somebody to pray for you, find somebody that's got some faith in their heart. Huh? Well, you know, you just never know what God's going to do. That's not the person you want praying for you. You want somebody that knows the will of God so that when they pray with you and for you, that you can agree together based upon the promise that God has made about your life. So it says here, the prayer of faith shall save the sick or deliver them, and the Lord will raise him up. Then it goes on to say, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now I want to make a, a point to this, even though it's not in the subject that we're talking about here. But I want you to notice in that 15th verse, and I want you to realize that there's really two different things that are being discussed here. 
Because a lot of times, you know, when you talk about people needing healing and you read this scripture, if they've committed sins, then it'll be forgiven them. Then immediately they think, people often will think, and this is the devil helps them, says, well, you've done something, probably the unpardonable sin, and that's the reason why you're sick, you know, or something like that. But that's not what this scripture is saying at all. It just said, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders. Let them pray for them. The prayer of faith shall save the sick or deliver them. And so now he's talking about something completely different. He's saying, if this sickness, it says, and if, you know, they have, let's see, let me uh, get it right here. If he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. In other words, here's a better way to translate that. And that is, if any sin be the occasion of the sickness, okay? Now, that's not always the case in every case. Sometimes the devil just comes and attacks you. You know, uh, sickness is an enemy. It's not from God. You know, people a lot of times, well, you know, now God's probably trying to teach somebody something. God does not use sickness and disease to teach people. He gives them his word. Are you with me? But again, you know, if you're misguided, then you're all over the place. You can't be in faith in a circumstance like, well, maybe. Well, there is no maybe when it comes to God. We need to know what the will of... Does that make sense to you? So, so we could read it this way. It says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. And if any sin be the occasion of his sickness, it shall be forgiven him. Therefore, he goes on then to say, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So in other words, what it's saying here in the context is, is that if you were to have the elders come and pray for your sickness, but there's something in your life, you know, maybe it's unforgiveness or whatever. A lot of people, they get sick because they harbor unforgiveness in their hearts. You know, they got jealousy, they got all kinds of stuff. It opens up the door to the devil. Well, if you're in that place and you're praying, it's, it's confession time. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that we go and hang our dirty laundry out in front of everybody. You know, you don't need to do that. You know, when it comes to an offense, you know, um, if it's Karen and I or whoever, you know, and, and um, she's done something to offend me or I've done something to offend her, I don't need to go tell Bill about it. I need to talk to her. Isn't that right? Huh? So, you know, you understand this context, don't you? All right. And so it's important for us, you know, to, to, to understand these things when it comes to the Bible. So, again, it says the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women avails much or makes tremendous power available. Then in 17, he gives us this example. He says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth uh, her fruit. Think about that. Three and a half years. We've went through what? Two and a half months? Huh? Can you even begin to imagine how dry things would be after three and a half years? But he, but he uses, James uses this example of, of a person who was a guy just like you and me, I mean, although he was a prophet, I know, you know, he was anointed, but he prayed earnestly and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again. And of course, this was all as a result of the judgment of God on them, the people of that particular time. But let's look at something real quick. You got time with me? Turn here to Genesis chapter uh, <clears throat> uh, 
18. Here's another example of an, uh, just an individual. It happened to be Abraham in this case. Uh, what happened was he was visited by the Lord, and he came and uh, he said uh, uh, the, there was actually two angels who came to visit uh, Abraham, and he said, uh, uh, we're going to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and we're going to see if it's really what we think it is. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, Abraham begins to pray. What was he doing? He was interceding for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I want to pick it up in verse 23. And Abraham came near and he said to them, would you, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there's, there's 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and spare not it for the, the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake." I'm telling you what, you guys, as believers, you are salt, the preservers of life. Are you listening to me? I mean, you think about everything that's going on in the world. If it wasn't for the righteous, if it weren't for the child of God, this whole thing would be toast. Are you, are you with me? So, so what I'm saying to you is, is you have an audience with the creator of heaven and earth. Abraham went on to say, he said, I know I'm only but dust. But he said, what if there were only 45 there? Would you not spare it? And he said, if there's 45, I would. And he went down through this five at a time, got all the way down to 10. And God said, if I can find 10 righteous in those, in those cities, I will spare them. Think about that. The unfortunate thing is, is that there weren't 10. And so fire came down on those cities and consumed them because of the sin that was in those cities. There's a lot more that we could talk about. You know, I'll tell you what, you know, the thing is, is a lot of folk, they don't really want to talk about these kinds of things. But the reality is, is that there is a recompense for disobedience. And that's all there is to it. You can try to explain it away, you know, culturally or whatever the case might be. You can do whatever you want. But the reality is, as a matter of fact, a lot of what it is that you see going on, I'm not talking about a, a specific people group, but I'm telling you that the things that you and I are experiencing right now is because of the sin of people. You want an answer to the problems that we're having right now? It's repentance. That's right. But having said that, without, you know, being so, so curt or, or, or uh, however you might describe that, Here's the thing about it. As believers, as children of God, you and I can stand in the gap for the land so that people can at least have the opportunity to come to a place of repentance and receive Christ as their Savior so they don't end up in hell. Are you listening to me? And you and I can be the catalyst for that. And I just want to encourage you so very much. So your prayers do matter. And hell does everything it can to discourage, to distract, and keep people from praying. But on the other hand, heaven does everything it can to encourage our prayer life. In Ephesians 6 and 18, it says, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the, prayer, in the Spirit, 
with all manner of prayer and entreaty. So there's different kinds of prayers that we really don't have time to talk about. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. So the Bible seems to imply that prayer should be a regular part of our, our lifestyle. We should be people of prayer. Hallelujah. Not just at lunchtime or at dinner. You know, thank God for that. But yet right on the other hand, you know, it's just uh, things that we can pray about and for and uh, stand in the gap for and uh, spend some time that way. When Jesus faced difficulty and trouble, he went and he talked with his heavenly Father. You know, which is exactly what we need to do. You know, if you're troubled, you guys, you need to have a talk with your Father. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, when you pray, he says, Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, when he, when he uses the terminology, he's, he said, when you pray, say, Our Father. In other words, he is your Father, and he wants to talk to you. You know, and when it says, hallowed be your name, you know, holy is your name. It's a, it's a form of our worship. God, you are exactly who you say you are. You are almighty God, the great and the sufficient and the omnipotent one. So we express on and we honor him for who he is. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Father, for your divine supply of all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You said, Lord, that I am to forgive as you have forgiven me. And so, Father God, I unpeel my heart before you this day to say, God, please forgive me. I, I, I release anyone and everyone from whatever offenses that they may have caused. You know, this is the real world of our heart where God wants us to live. Are you with me? You know? And so if we find ourselves in that place, praise God, then great things can happen. How many of you are glad you came tonight? Amen. So he says here, <clears throat> you know, when we look at Jesus and how he prayed, what did he do? He went to the garden, didn't he? He went to a place called the Gethsemane. And he said, uh, he said, wait here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, those that were closest with him. Because he was getting ready to fight a battle that, that was, well, humanly speaking, insurmountable. And he prayed. And uh, he prayed for an hour. Came back. Disciples were sleeping. He said, could you, not, could you not watch and pray? See, the thing about prayer, you guys, is, is there is a watching that's in it. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you're praying, you know, God can bring things up on the inside of you about this or that or the whatever. He can show you things that you can pray about, you know, that, that he wants you to intercede in the behalf of so that you can turn the circumstance around and change it. You with me? Well, he went back again and began to pray. He said, God, if it's possible, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. A prayer of consecration to the will of God. Well, he did that three times. And then finally he came back, and you know, it was late in the night probably at this point. And he said, stand up, you know, now is the Son of Man betrayed into the hands of sinful men. And here come Judas. I was reading that here just the other day. I thought, how hideous. It must have been for this, this guy that had been with him for three and a half years to betray him with a kiss. 
And that's exactly what he did. Whoever I kiss, that's, that's the one. These clowns that were following him, they didn't even know who Jesus was. But they apprehended him and, and, and uh, carried him off. Now, you have to understand, the only reason that they carried him off is because he willingly gave him or gave them his life. Huh? You know, when, when Peter was there, you know, and he drew his sword and said, let's get it on, starts, you know, cutting people's ears off. You know, Jesus said, don't you realize that I have at my disposal 12 legions of angels. Now, I don't know what a legion is, but it is a lot. Okay? So he gave himself for this purpose, was the Son of Man, you know, crucified so that you and I could be here tonight and live. And God wants us to have a relationship with him. Not some superficial go through the motions, you know, you know, I prayed a little bit, so I guess I'm okay. No, I'm talking about a real relationship with God so that when we do get in those hard places, we're not off in no man's land here somewhere relationally with God, but we know that we are connected with the creator and that praise God, God can move in our behalf. Amen. How many of you know he wants to do that? You know, again, you know, it may be a personal need that you have in your life. God doesn't want you to live in fear, confusion. It may be things that are going on in your, in your uh, uh, family's uh, life and things of that nature. But I tell you what, there are men and women, praise God, that they grabbed a hold of the altars and uh, the altar of God and didn't let go until God moved supernaturally. And you can do the same thing. Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't know if I got that much time. Well, come on. Yeah, let's get after it. Worry and care and anxiety are not the characteristics that should identify the disposition of the child of God. Listen to me, you guys. Right now, in the world in which we're living, it is so important for you and for me, for all of us, to fix our gaze upon him. Are you with me? And he will guide you. He will preserve you. He will care for you. You will have peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Because of a relationship that you have with him. So I encourage you, praise God, in these last days that you do that. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, and then we're going to uh, spend just a little bit of time praying about a few things. Praise God. Philippians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4. Now think with me for just a moment, if you, you need to realize this, but when, when Paul writes this letter, does anybody know where he is? Huh? He's in prison. He's in jail. Well, I don't know about you. I've never been in jail. I don't really want to go to jail, but, you know, as far as I can tell, what do you think, uh, Steve? Jail's not a good place to be, right? <laughs> The lieutenant of, lieutenant of the Pottawatomie Department. What do you think about it there, Preston? What do you think? Is jail a nice place to go to? Ours is pretty tiny. Yours is pretty tiny. Okay. Well, uh, I can tell you right now, jail's no place to be. But that's where he was. And he was in jail for preaching the gospel. And, you know, when he starts this letter out, he says, you know, I, I know that you guys are concerned about me, but, you know, the reality is, is that since I've ended up in jail, everybody around me is hearing the gospel, and for that I rejoice. I mean, who does that? Paul, you know? 
And you know, there's so many places where you see where Paul read, you know, where you read after Paul and he just says, God's going to deliver me. Praise God. He's kept me up till this moment and he'll keep me after this. How many of you know he'll do that for you too? Glory to God. But notice what he says here in this opening, chapter 4. He says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation or consideration, general, uh, gen, gen, genuineness, gentleness, I'm sorry, be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. Never be anxious about anything, one translation says. But in everything, by what? prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God everybody say hallelujah yeah the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds you know if there's not bread on the shelf praise God you know God will come up with it from somewhere you know what I'm saying amen but notice again in verse 6 it says be careful for nothing. Never be anxious about anything. And, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with re, uh, uh, make your request, let your request be made known unto God. So, so we're good about praying, but we're not so good about that first part. Be anxious for nothing. Well, God, how can I be anxious for nothing? I mean, don't you know? You know, haven't you, you know, don't you realize what's going on here? Huh? But here's the thing you need to realize. If he said you don't have to be anxious, then you don't have to be anxious. Isn't that right? Another place says casting all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, sometimes you might have to come against anxiety. You may have to come against worry. What do I mean by that? Well, see, again, they're enemies to us as the children of God. The devil comes and says, you're never going to make it. Boy, you got, do you see what's going on here? You know, and he goes down this big laundry list of stuff trying to agitate and cause all kinds. Well, what you need to do as a believer is you just need to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Say, Satan, I take authority over you. In the name of Jesus, I come against this anxiety this confusion, this worry, this care, this however you describe it, in Jesus' name. And you stand against the temptation to worry. You say, well, you can't do that. Well, why not? Huh? Sure you can. So never be anxious about anything. Praise God. I mean, that's, that's kind of a tall order. I, I, I get it, but I'm telling you what, man, it's the place to live, isn't it? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and His peace will keep you. Hallelujah. That's good news. Amen? And God wants, you to, wants it to be that way. New Living Translation says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I tell you what, praise God, let's not let the devil use care as a weapon against us. Amen? 
Now, you've got to be careful about what you're watching. Got to be careful about what you're listening to. Come on. You know, I mean, especially the media. The media, it's so full of lies. Many of the people that you're seeing on these television stations are full of the devil. Absolutely full of the devil. And they are filled with lies. And so don't sit there and listen to them. Because what they're saying is not true. Are you listening to me? You just cannot allow that. So, you know, uh, a lot I could say about that, but don't have time for that either. But anyway, I want to take a little time to pray. You say, well, what are we going to pray for? Well, what, what are your needs? What needs do you have? Maybe you want to pray about your loved ones. You know, there's a lot of our, our immediate families that need Jesus. Huh? We can pray for them. Maybe you've got a particular need in your life. Maybe it's a health thing or whatever the case might be. And what I want to do is I want to take just some time and, and pray. Would that be all right with you? We won't take a lot of time, but we'll just pray about those needs. I want to pray for our nation. Our nation needs, please, you guys, pray and lift up this nation before the Lord. Because uh, the Bible says that when the righteous are in authority, people rejoice. Are you with me? And, and, and we need righteous men. There's so much that's at stake. And I think you know that. But, you know, praise God, we can make a difference if we stand in the gap for the land. And, and uh, we can really make a difference in the situation. So we're going to bid all of you that are uh, watching by Facebook or uh, YouTube farewell. And God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully this has been an encouragement to you. But what, this is what I'd like for you to do there in your home, in the privacy of wherever you may be, is take, take some time to pray. Maybe it's about a loved one. Maybe it's about family members. It might be, you know, just for the nation, whatever it might be. But we want to encourage you, praise God, to, to step it up when it comes to your prayer lives. And um, um, let's, let's, let's be before God so that, praise God, it's, it's not an unusual place for us to be, but it's a very uh, comfortable and a very normal place for us to be. And uh, I believe that we'll be blessed by that. Praise God. Why don't you stand with me? You've been.